today, what we're going to learn is how to manage your nervous system. And given the times, I want to have a conversation also about how do we face uncertainty. So learning how to manage your nervous system is the foundation for any other kind of work that you're going to do. And so this is a really important conversation and let's get rolling. So without further ado, let's get started. I found this quote, she was powerful, not because she wasn't scared, but because she went on so strongly despite the fear. And that of course is by Harper Lee from To Kill a Mockingbird. And it kind of sums up what I wanna talk about with you today. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna have a quick review and, and look at uh, some of the other things we've looked at previously just to refresh your memory and to give context for the work that we're doing so you can start to see how all the pieces parts are integrated. Then we'll talk a little bit about uncertainty and your relationship to uncertainty. And then we're going to talk about building capacity for intensity. And so when we talk about managing nervous system, one central element to that is how do we manage intensity? and emotional intensity. And that's something that, you know, we never learn in school. And, uh, and if you do learn it, you usually learn it in the context of sports or musical performance or art. And of course, those are the first three things that get cut in an educational budget when time gets tough. So we'll talk about this and, and why that's so important. Then we need to have a little adult discussion about an important topic that I wanna, that I wanna bring to you. And then, and then some suggestions about what you can try between now and next time, okay? So that's the game plan and uh, let's see what happens. So quick review. One of the fundamental assumptions that I bring to this is that we have two games to play, right? There's the outer game, being effective in the world, uh, doing your job well. Uh, managing the relationships that are important to you. And then also the inner game, managing the, the inner forces that are going on inside you, right? your, your emotional reactions, the stories you tell yourself, even the physical sensations in your body that all influence how you perceive what's going on, right? It is not true, and we touched upon this a little bit last time, it is not true that there is an objective reality out there and that you are passively receiving it. What is true is that you are constructing your experience, right? And that, that the quality and nature of that construction depends largely on the quality of your own internal state. So if you are in a state of heightened anxiety or heightened alert or heightened threat, you are gonna perceive a different reality than if you are calmer, if you are clearer, if you, um, you know, feel more grounded in yourself, right? It's, it's, that's, again, something we don't teach you in school. But like what's going on inside you influences how you perceive what is going on outside you. And, and therefore, the choices that you perceive that you have, the actions you take, and ultimately the result you get. So we have, we have you know, it's good. It's nice, right? In life, you only have to do two things. You manage the outer game and you manage the inner game. And ideally, you do it right now in the moment, real time, right? That's, that's mastery level. So I'm not saying you have to do that right now, but that is something to aspire to. And, and you know, that's really the work of a lifetime. So why this is important, right? How do we manage the inner game or why should we manage the inner game is because most of the time we're mindless and that what's going on inside us 
and how that's influencing our choices, actions, and results is largely invisible. And so, again, we never teach you this in school, but you know, if you are blind to what you're experiencing inside, you're going to default to your habit or your survival patterns. And in these days, when there are ever more, you know, smaller needles to thread with tighter and tighter tolerances, right, we need to be more effective in being able to take our own temperature, re make an assessment of what's going on inside me before I make a choice, right. And then, so we talked about the three principles for managing the inner game. Step one is simply acknowledging what are you experiencing inside, right? What are you experiencing inside right now? Right? And, and especially in these days, uh, given all the craziness going on, what you're experiencing inside may change drastically uh, throughout the day, right? You might wake up in a good mood, you might turn on the news and you feel anxious or you feel angry and, and maybe you feel exhausted by the end of the day, right? And so, right, so we're kind of moving up and down. And so simply like taking your temperature and acknowledging what are you experiencing inside? And then the next and very important step is to accept the fact, oh, right now, here's what I'm experiencing inside myself, right? Rather than to resist it, to push it away, to put on a good face and pretend it's not happening, right? Simply accept right now, here's what I'm experiencing. And as we'll talk about as the program goes on, this one move has truly profound implications in terms of not only quality of your life, but, but really um, the quality of what civilization means. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. And then number three is redirect attention to what is nourishing you, right? It's not about ignoring the bad stuff, but it's also expanding your awareness to see what's good, what's beautiful, what's, what's feeding you. So that in that larger context of your own experience, you can you have a you have a bigger space to deal with what's uncomfortable, when you also can hold simultaneously in this world right now there are also things that are beautiful. So three principles for managing the inner game, right? And that we can start to practice this in daily life simply by asking ourselves questions, right? Like right now, what's happening in your body? Right. And in, in as I'm asking you this, you know, ask yourself right now, what's happening in your body? Right. What's happening in your body right now? Since last time I bought a new chair and uh, now my back doesn't hurt. And I'm very conscious of the fact that my back doesn't hurt. And that's great. And so the emotion I'm experiencing is relief. And that the story I'm telling myself was, thank God I bought this chair. And if you want to know what the chair is, you can send me a note and I'll tell you. Uh, the, so how are you constructing your experience, right? And, and this is a fundamental practice. Like right now, what is happening inside me and what do I perceive as my choices? So here's how we start to practice mindfulness in daily life, right? Mindfulness, again, is not about being calm. It is about being aware. And what are we being aware of? One of the important things is how are we constructing experience? And so once we understand how we're constructing experience, can I bring a level of acceptance to that? Right? And this math equation comes from Shinzen Yang. Right? Struggle is pain divided by the quality of, ex of acceptance that we bring to something, right? So, you know, you're probably uh, better at math than I am, but, you know, if you bring, you can read this equation by, you know, increasing your capacity to accept what you're experiencing right, decreases the sense of struggle, right? It decreases the sense of struggle. And 
the uh, and then the flip side is that the more resistance you give the pain you experience, right? It it amplifies the sense of struggle, and you know I think that I shared this last time, but one of my clients talked to me about um, she's the the partner in a in a financial services company, and she said, you know, I really this really hit home for me when my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I realized that I was resisting this reality that, you know, it's something I didn't want, I didn't like, and I was doing my best to pretend it wasn't happening. And I realized that that resistance wasn't helping me and helping my family uh, deal with what was, what was, what my father needed. Right. And so I was able to get to acceptance faster and decrease my sense of internal struggle, right? Which then increased the sense of clarity about what she needed to do, right? So this, is a, this isn't just a nice idea, right? Uh, it's, it's a practical, uh, very essential skill, right? And, it's an, and that when we decrease our capacity or we decrease our experience of, of struggle, right? We're better able to make better choices, right? And you know, in, in a way it's this simple, that you know when you make you you make a more intentional choice and that changes the future right that's what changes the future right if you keep you know it's too obvious to keep saying this but you know if you just keep doing what you've already done because that's the way you've already done it you're going you've always done it then you're always going to get the same result so how do we start to make different clearer better choices and that's what changes the future and Let's talk about what I want to uh, share with you today, and, and let's start with uncertainty. So, I'd, I'd, uh, I think it's important to talk about this in the context of understanding that managing yourself means managing a nervous system. In fact, the challenge of managing yourself, and really about mastering yourself, has different layers. But the first and most important layer is how do you manage your nervous system, right? That's the fundamental infrastructure that we have to you know, take in information, to take action in the world, to make sense of what's going on. And if you can't manage your nervous system, then you really can't manage anything else well. And the answer to what does it mean to manage myself changes as we go along. But we're gonna start with understanding how to manage the nervous system. Then next, we talk about how do you manage attention? Right? How do you manage where you're putting your energy? And then after that, we talk about how do you manage emotion and how do you manage the stories you tell yourself? But if we don't start here first, then you're, then you're building your house on a very shaky foundation, okay? So I have a question for you, okay? And this is something for you to think about and even if you wanna write it down on a piece of paper or somewhere, but how do you face uncertainty, right? How do you face uncertainty? And when faced with uncertainty, what, what, what is it that you experience in your body, right? What is it, what are the emotions that you experience coming along with that, right? And what are the stories that you tell yourself, right? I think for COVID, uh, one common story I hear people asking themselves is, when will this be over, right? When will this be over? Which... I don't think is a particularly helpful, helpful question to ask yourself because there's no answer to that. And it's not likely going to be the case that one day COVID is on and the next day that COVID is off and we're done, 
right? It's more likely the case that it's going to kind of trickle away and that we won't really know when it's done until it's been done for a while. So, so maybe you just pause this for a second and take a moment to write, write out like what happens in your body? What are the stories you tell yourself? What are the emotions you experience? And that when you're ready, come back on and I'll, I'll show you what I have next. So I've been tracking this for a while and here's a word cloud from a group I uh, gave a talk to about what were the emotions they used to describe their inner experience of uncertainty and take a look at these and see if they are similar to the words that you, excuse me, that you wrote down, right? Anxiety being number one and and then, and then fear and opportunity, interestingly, being number two. And then the rest are kind of a run the gamut, right? Apprehension, caution, tension, exhaustion, composure, uncomfortable, failure, freedom, exciting, right? Challenging, producing, grateful, wonder, right? Unknown, surrender, right? Fascinating words. So, you know, I think that we're living in this time, you know, of course, that things are always uncertain, but now we're really conscious of the fact that things are uncertain. And noticing, you know, what these, what these words are, and given the fact that anxiety is the biggest one, and then fear comes next, uh, then I think it's important to ask ourselves the question, how do we respond to threat, right? And that's really what this is about. Like, what is our... Uh, what is our relationship to things that we perceive as threatening? And I, um, I personally stopped many years ago talking about stress because it was, you know, let's face it, everybody's stressed, right? And it's kind of boring to talk about it. But I found that it's more interesting, actually, to talk about threat and how do we manage fear. So, so my question for you is like, how do you relate to the inexperience of your own fear? And this is not an inconsequential issue, right? It's actually fundamental to how we live our lives. Like what are the things you do because of fear? What are the things you don't do because of fear that you, that you should do, right? What are the things that you do that are skillful in dealing with fear, right? For some people, fear pushes them into action. For other people, uh, we just get anxious. For other people, we just shut down, right? Other people, you know, it, it's the energy to help them prepare. So they all run the gamut of human experience. But how we relate to fear is one of the most fundamental questions I think we can ask. And that's why I wanted to start with this Harper Lee quote, right? right? It's, she was powerful, not because she wasn't scared, but because she went on so strongly despite the fear. So the, the message I want to telegraph here is, not to not have fear, right? I'm sure you've seen the no fear window sticker uh, driving in front of you on the freeway. You know, and that in some ways that's disingenuous. Um, you wouldn't want to have, you would not want to not have fear, right? Because we have case studies of people who don't experience fear. And, you know, quite frankly, they end up doing dumb things like getting into cars with strangers and, uh, finding themselves and touching hot burners and all sorts of stuff, right? Fear is useful. What is not useful is what happens when fear is inappropriate or what happens when fear is so strong 
that it immobilizes us or keeps us from taking effective action. Or because we resist the experience of fear, it distorts the action we take. And so we do something that we end up later regretting, right? We do something, say something that we end up later regretting. So spend some time, I think, really trying to understand how you, and especially how you as a leader, relate to fear. And, and how do you talk about it with your team? How do you talk about it with the people in your life? Um, and they'll give you feedback as well about how do you, when, when things are under, under pressure, you know, what are you doing? So let's see what happens.